You ever like, it's like fully summer out right now. I've had like four bottles of water and I'm just like continue to chug them. Anyways, um, good morning, you guys. It's thrilling to be with you. And you know, one of the, one of the things this last week, uh, it was like the first week in over a year and a half that I hadn't been at Riverbend or with Riverbend. I was guest teaching at the church that planted us over in Portland, a church called Westside, a Jesus church. And I was there last Sunday and I, all I could think about was you guys and I missed it. Uh, so I did the thing that you're not supposed to do at church. Like I was teaching and then I come off the stage and I was like texting the team here like hey how's it going how is everything man I miss you guys and all of that so never do that but that's what I did um do as I say not as I do I guess um is how that saying goes but I just truly it's great to be back even after just one week of missing you guys hey would you stand with me because we are going to read the scripture and just as a way of just uh of revering the word of God let's uh, stand together and I'm going to read for you from Galatians chapter 5. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But... If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like. And I I warned you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step the Spirit. Amen. That's the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we just again say thank you. Um, for your word, and we ask that you would use it to speak to us today. We want to hear your voice. We want to grow. We want to be changed fundamentally from the inside out to become more like you, Jesus. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, go ahead and grab a seat. Thank you guys so much. Okay, Um, like Lauren mentioned a minute ago, we're nearing the end of our series called Come Holy Spirit. We're about three weeks from the end. And so far, we've just talked all about who Holy Spirit is and the the kind of work that he does, and we want to understand that. We also want to, as a church, practice and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. So over the last six weeks or so, we've been talking specifically about the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, we've primarily been focused on the outward manifestations or revelations, or if you like, spiritual gifts, um, the outward manifestations of the Spirit. Things like prophecy and miracles and healing and tongues and words of wisdom and things like that. And by the way, just to be clear, these are just a handful of the ways that the Holy Spirit wants to move with power through you. And we, be- and we believe in all of that stuff. And we believe that he loves to work in, in power. And we believe in like that that's going to continue and we actually want to see more of that in our future and not less of it so we're pressing into it as a church we want to see the power of God move in our lives but his work and activity are not limited to just these outward manifestations 
equally as important is the Holy Spirit wants to reform and reshape your interior life to become like Jesus. Let me say that again. Uh, equally as important, the Holy Spirit wants to reform and reshape your interior life to become like Jesus. So for example, when Jesus burst onto the scene in Galilee in the first century, not only did he have the authority to cast out demons and to perform miracles and heal the sick and all of that, in addition to that, he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to love his enemies, to forgive those who had betrayed him, to obey the Father perfectly, and he was compassionate and empathetic. And it was that real radical lifestyle of holiness without compromise and integrity without compromise that made Jesus such a compelling rabbi to follow. So, in other words, and this is a, another way of saying that the way that the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to do the things that Jesus did, all of the things that we've been talking about these last six weeks, he also wants to empower you to change to become the sort of human that Jesus is, to be reshaped into his image. And of course, this is a theme that you and I have read about in the scriptures. If you uh, are following along in the Read Scripture app or whatever, we understand, we see all throughout the scripture, this call to change or this call to be holy as God is holy. This is, in fact, we believe becoming like Jesus is one of the most important goals that we can have as a Jesus follower. And the Holy Spirit, we believe, is a primary actor, maybe the primary actor in that process of you growing and changing in your discipleship to Jesus. If you were here last week, you may remember Brooke intro this concept or this topic, um, and you can find that teaching on our website. It's a fantastic message. And it's this biblical idea of sanctification sanctification. We can find that in particular in the book of Romans, but really all around the New Testament. And it's this, this theme, uh, again, Galatians, uh, we read it, we just read about it, but also Philippians and Corinthians and Peter and John and like all of, all of these different places throughout the scripture, we are taught to be holy as Christ is holy, as the Lord is holy. And here at, at Riverbend, we've come to call this process spiritual formation. The idea of over time being reshaped and remade into the image of Jesus. Now, there's a couple of caveats before I sort of launch into the, the message from Galatians, and that's this. Number one, um, we've gotten this sort of a few ticks off in the Western church, if you will, um, over the last couple of decades. We're not, what we're talking about here is not like a gospel of behavior modification, you know what, you guys just need to try harder and do better next week. You need to find it within yourself to be more like Jesus or be more holy. This is um, definitely something that we have to get the order right, and that's what we're going to talk about today, that as we spend time in the presence of God, he is the one who reshapes us and reforms us. This is not up to us entirely. So we do, what we don't want to do is send the message of, you're not doing good enough, try harder next week, heap guilt and shame on your shoulders. That's not what we're about. Another caveat, though, that I think is equally as important is that people can actually change. You know, we have this cultural milieu in which we feel like people are set in their ways, they cannot change. And I understand, over the last 18 months, it just really hasn't brought out the best in humanity, unfortunately. 
It's just with COVID and social unrest due to all kinds of different things, uh, polarized, uh, ideal, uh, polarized political climate and all of that, we find ourselves at this moment where, man, the worst of humanity is coming out. But with that comes like this attitude of futility, like there's nothing that could ever change that. When in reality, what we learn from the scriptures and what we're going to find today very clearly is that the Holy Spirit can, in fact, change us and not just our behavior, but rewire us from the inside out to actually want the things that God wants, to have the kind of character and the kind of heart that Jesus has. I believe this with all my heart. Otherwise, I won't be doing what I do. Um, and so today we're going to look specifically at how the Holy Spirit does that. So... Um, I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but years into my discipleship to Jesus, there's still a gap between his lifestyle, his overall lifestyle, his habits, and, and my life today. There's a gap between him and me. And it's not that I don't want to be patient. It's not that I don't want to be loving. But the fact remains, he is all of those things that we mentioned at the beginning. He's filled with love. He's determined to give his life for his enemies. He's patient and all of that. And I have my moments too. But I also have a really long ways to go. I'm in process. Are you guys with me on that? Okay, awesome. Moses is for sure with me. That's good. So what I mean by that is I can be patient. Like, for example, I mentioned uh, last week I went over to Portland, and I was reminded about Portland traffic. Oh, my gosh. My daughter, Isabel, super sweet, when we lived there like five or six years ago, she was three at the time, and she called it Stopland because... All you do on the... I was driving home from Portland, and I was in traffic for like 10 whole minutes. Stop and go traffic. And I was totally patient. My Wi-Fi was slow later in the week, and I was totally patient with that too. When my kids are late, and we can't like figure out how to get our masks together and get in the car to go somewhere, I can be patient. As long as those things don't happen in the same day, I'm generally pretty good. But if those things happen all in the same day, then you know, the, you know what it's like. I can, you, we have this propensity to be impatient. And so we have this gap between us and, and Jesus. So, so we sort of joke about our failures, and I think that's all in good fun and all of that. But we sometimes believe this half-truth or this lie that, um, yeah, of course Jesus was perfect and is perfect, and he perfectly obeyed the Father. And he, that's because he's God, and I'm definitely not. And so we're sort of right about that in a way. We say things like, you know, uh, what, what Jesus, Jesus did, what we could not do. He fulfilled, for example, the righteous requirement of the law. He gave his life for me so that I could have a brand new life in the kingdom of God. And that's really what grace is all about. That's what the grace of God is all about. It's receiving the gift of eternal life from him that I couldn't earn or that I, that I don't deserve. It's all really from his hand. And that's why we celebrate and sing and have so much to be grateful for. And we thank Jesus moment by moment for all of that. But while all of that is true, at the same time, we ache for change. We long for change. And I see it in us as a community. I also just see it in society at large. For example, you read scriptures like Romans chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul is writing about how we have been set free from the law of sin and death. And which means, of course, that we're no longer destined to repeat our past mistakes and to be stuck in this old lifestyle, this old way of life. We are free and empowered by the Spirit to become like Jesus. And so for those of us who follow him, which I know is most of the room here, we, this is what we most deeply want. This is what we most deeply desire is that we would become like him in actual practice, but also deep from within the heart. Now... What do we do with the gap, though? The gap between him and me. 
What do we do about that and how do we close it? That's the question, right? Fortunately, we're in good company when we talk about being in process and having a gap between Jesus and ourselves because uh, the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote Psalm, or excuse me, uh, Romans 6, he also wrote like 13 other books in, in the Bible. And uh, Romans chapter 7, right after he penned those words, this is what he has to say. He says, I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. Sometimes that's how I feel. For I do not do the thing that I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. If I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin that's living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And then this is the part that sort of startles me. He says this, what a wretched man I am. And who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Okay, so can you guys relate to that at all or is that just me? I feel like that's many of us here in the room. So there are at least two laws at work within us, what the New Testament calls our flesh or sinful nature and the law of the spirit. And these are two sort of opposing out war ideologies within us. And so now that's, that's how it's possible that you and I could actually fall in love with Jesus and be inspired by a Sunday message or the word of God or a bunch of songs that are sung here on a Sunday morning and then still stumble into the same old stuff and those same old sinful behaviors the following week. And so it's like from that in-between state, we're in this like process state in this in-between state where we are invited to grow in the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is where Galatians chapter 5 comes in, where we read at the very beginning. It says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So you guys, that is the, the command. We read a lot of different verses in there at the very beginning, but that's the command. Walk in step with the Spirit. Walk in step with the Spirit. Notice in if you read down in verse 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit, it doesn't say be loving, be joyful, be patient, be peaceful. Those are not actually commands. They're not even behaviors, actually. They're character traits. And the command is to walk in step with the Spirit. That's what the command actually is. So here's what I'm getting at. If you grew up in church like a lot of us did, uh, we memorized the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I seem to re vaguely remember like this poster with a, like a tree that was drawn and there's like fruit that are growing off of it and they're named love, joy, peace, patience and all of that. And we had teaching series where one week was about love and then you, how do you be more loving? And then there's another week that's about joy and how do you be more joyful and all of that. And you go down the list, and it's a nine-week series, and it's fantastic. And obviously, those are great ideas, and the Scripture does teach about becoming more loving and all of that. But that's not actually the wisdom from Galatians chapter 5. That's not what Paul is trying to do here in Galatians chapter 5. The wisdom is walk in step with the Spirit, 
That's something that's within your and my power. And you will become the sort of person who possesses the fruit of the Spirit. That's the power of God working through you. So you notice there's a partnership in play here. The fruit of the Spirit is the inner disposition or the transformed heart or the, the character of a person who's walking in step with the Spirit. So this is why we like to say around here that your discipleship to Jesus is a partnership between you you have a role to play in the Holy Spirit. He plays a major role and then also your community. So the power of the Holy Spirit is underpinning the whole teaching of Jesus and the message of the New Testament, which is that in strength to endure and in him we will be reformed deeply from the inside out. So we want to we walk into and live into all of that. So um, other examples of this, Colossians chapter 3, Romans chapter 12, these are both sort of man, uh, manifestos, if you will, of the Apostle Paul about what it means to follow Jesus. And if you take a closer look, you can see this same idea that I'm talking about sort of coming out. It doesn't say, for example, transform your mind or transform your life to be more like Jesus or renew your mind. It doesn't actually say that. What it says is right here, Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, don't lie to each other. That's a good one. <laughs> Don't lie to each other. Since you've taken off the old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So it says put on the new self. That's the active command. That's the something that you and I can do that is within our power. And then it says so that or the result of that will be that your heart and your mind is renewed. That's not a command, but it's something that the Holy Spirit is doing in you. Romans chapter 12 says something very, very similar. It says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's the act of command. And then be transformed. That's something that the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you. It's a very simple idea, but it's a core idea, an important idea that we have to get right and continue to get right over the course of our discipleship to him. So we could go down the list. There's many other passages that we could look at that illustrate this point. And the reason why I think this is such a prevalent teaching in the New Testament is because it all goes back to Jesus' metaphor of the vine and the branches from John chapter 15. And if you've been following along in the Holy Spirit series, you know we've spent a lot of time in John chapter 14 where Jesus promises right before he goes to the cross that his disciples are going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. In the very next chapter, he gives us this, this metaphor of the vine and the branches. And look with me at verse 4. It says this, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So you can see here the similarity between Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, and I genuinely believe is Paul sort of like interpreting or riffing on Jesus' logic from this, from this parable or this passage. So what is the command? Is the command to bear much fruit? No, that's not the command. In fact, that's what Jesus is saying that you cannot do apart from him. The command is, that's actually the, the goal. The goal is to bear much fruit. It's actually a promise that Jesus gives. But what Jesus is saying is that we can't actually do it on our own. He's saying, remain in me. He's saying, stay connected to me. And if you do, if you do uh, take me up on my offer to abide or remain in me moment by moment, you will bear much fruit. 
So he's saying that's what will happen when you pattern your life in such a way to spend time in the presence of God. And again, uh, one of the biggest mistakes that we've made as a church in the Western world over the last couple of centuries is to guilt and shame people who aren't bearing fruit and talk about all the different ways that you're displeasing God and heap shame and guilt on you and why you need to change your behavior and try harder and do better the next week or, or whatever the case. The problem with that, well, there's lots of problems, but the main problem is that it's just not a biblical idea. The scripture tells us often to be holy as he is holy. The scripture tells us often to love our neighbor, to love our enemies even, to forgive like we've been forgiven. The scripture talks about that at length. But what the scripture is primarily teaching here is that what he's going to do is he is going to be the one who deeply changes us from the inside out flesh, but actually in cooperation with the law of the spirit. Are you guys following me? Are you with me so far? Okay, so key that we get that. Okay. Understanding the message of the scripture this way, Jesus is actually calling us or commanding us. Another way of looking at that is inviting us into a grace-filled practice of abiding in him. And the power of the presence of God reforms you over the course of a lifetime. And your inner disposition, your character on a visceral soul level is changed from an unloving, self-centered person to a loving, hopefully super patient person. From, an, from, a, uh, from uh, someone who is focused on yourself to someone who is focused on others. To be patient, to be Jesus-like in all of our ways. Now, it's easy for us to get discouraged by this. In fact, as I was kind of preparing this message and thinking about you guys, praying for you guys, I was reminded how slow the change, uh, the process of transformation can be. In fact, it's one of the things that sidelines us the most. We're in America. We just want quick fixes fast. Right? We just want to get in shape, right? not, not, not like three weeks from now, we want to get in shape today. So we have this, this, this cultural model that suggests that if change is going to happen, it should happen easily and it should happen quickly. But that's not how spiritual formation happens. That's not how maturity happens. That's not how discipleship to Jesus actually works. But um, a friend of mine talks about looking at this in the way of the thousand day moving average. That you may, it, you may not look differently tomorrow than you did today, but if you look at the next three and a half years or the last three and a half years, are you a more mature, patient, kind, loving, gracious, generous person than you were three and a half years ago? The reality is most of us, if we've been abiding in Jesus, are. We are more patient. We are more Christ-like because God has been at work, slowly at work from within us. And so we, we, we need to focus on that because, again, in, in our culture, we're all about breakthrough, we're all about quick fix and all of that, but we also need this, this lifelong process where over the course of the next couple of decades, we are growing into mature followers of Jesus. Um, so one, one last stop before we're done. Um, so let's go back to Galatians 5 for a minute. You guys might remember that big long list of like the fruit of the flesh or the, 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 the deeds of the flesh as, as Paul describes them. Things like this. Immorality, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, dissensions, factions, and envy. Man, I was, as I was getting ready for this um, and praying for you guys, it was, happened to be the same day that I was looking at my news feed and just seeing all of the horrible violence in our nation. Yet again, we cannot seem to get a break from this. It's another mass shooting, another horrible killing of another black American. And I just found myself so broken and upset and angry. I'm like trying to find my words um, for all the things that I'm feeling. It's like a really 
difficult, difficult um, moment in our nation's history. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, yeah, this is Paul basically calling that. Like, in a secular society, in a world that is all about pleasing ourselves in a self-centered culture, a narcissistic culture, these are the things that we're going to start to see. We're going to see a lot more of this kind of stuff. We're going to see dissensions. We're going to see hatred. We're going to see violence. We're going to see that stuff, and it's tragic. Because it's not at all what God has in mind for our community. It's not at all what God has in mind for the world. And our society longs for something different. And of course, in a secular society, we kind of look to government to make changes for us and things like that, which I understand where that comes from. But we know that real lasting change actually comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I long for for our community is that we would be the kinds of people who are able to like de-escalate the hostile situation that we find ourselves in, to actually be a non-anxious presence in a really anxious culture, to be able to love well, love our enemies, listen well. All of these things that are just like really important and really needed right now in our culture, that's what we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be able to show the people around us the way and not be a part of the problem, but actually be a part of the solution by having a redemptive sort of healing presence in the world uh, that desperately, desperately needs it. And so that's where the fruit of the Spirit come in. Just look at the first four. Love, joy, peace, patience. This is the kind of work that Jesus wants to do in you. This is the kind of character change that Jesus wants to do in you as we abide in him and as we walk by the Spirit. These are aspects of God's character. So I guess the question is, what in the world would change if we embodied the character traits of the Holy Spirit? How do you think that might influence your workplace or your neighborhood or whatever? How would that, what would change? What would happen in our hurting society? I think at least in part, it would be, it would be a healing presence. It would be a healing thing in our, in our society, and that's what we need. So a couple of sort of action steps. How do we go from here? How do we actually live into this together? So the first thing is, is, is pretty simple. It's just to own the gap between your discipleship to Jesus and who he actually is. It's not that we um, are down on ourselves or feel guilt or shame. That's not what it's about. What it is about is us owning the fact that we've still got room to grow in our discipleship. And then the second thing is to commit to becoming mature. Is to say, I'm, it's okay where I am today. Some of us have been following Jesus for decades and we are like Jesus in so many ways. Others of us are just beginning that journey or haven't begun the journey at all yet. Whatever the case, just own your stage of discipleship. Where are you at in your discipleship to Jesus? And then commit to becoming mature. It's okay for me to be the way that I am, but it's not okay for me to stay here. I need to grow in my discipleship to Jesus. Again, this is not something that you are going to will within yourself to do better or try harder, but it is definitely the way that we get started. It's just becoming self aware. And this is what is really critical for for the church is that we're self-aware. If we want to grow, we have to be self-aware. And again, then the third thing is to just obey Jesus's command to abide in him, to remain in Jesus. Or again, Galatians chapter five says it says it this way, keep in step with the spirit or Colossians chapter three, fix your eyes on Jesus. And in like non-metaphoric concrete terms, what that means is to keep God before your mind. In your everyday, keep God before your mind. I love what Dallas Willard says. He says, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. 
This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in this practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. It's a really simple and basic thing that we must do if we want to grow in our discipleship to him is to keep him before our minds. Joan Chittister, who's this Catholic nun who's an author on the rule of St. Benedict, is really fascinating person and story. She writes a lot about the rule of St. Benedict, which is a different stream in, uh, of the church than we are, but there's still so much wisdom in it. And this is what she has to say. She said, we need a spirituality that's made out of the raw material of the acquisition of Jesus, where his character and his heart is flowing through us. Then what we need is sort of the ordinary means of God's grace to shape us, not just in the carefully architected high points of our week when we're gathering or singing or whatever. Again, we're all about breakthrough, but we're also about the process, the moment-by-moment, ordinary day where you encounter and grow in your relationship to him. So here's how we do that. Here's how we feel like you can do that this upcoming week. Number one, you just want to create the conditions in your life for the Spirit to do the deep work of change. That's your role and responsibility. The Holy Spirit does a lot of work. Your role and responsibility is to create the conditions in your life for the Spirit to do that deep work. So we, we, we see that in a couple of different ways. Number one, learning and teaching. Hopefully this is a part of your learning. And it's so important. Remember, Colossians 3 talks about the renewal of your mind. So does uh, Romans chapter 12 and many other people uh, in, interpret and understand the word of God. Then he begins to reshape again how we think and how our heart is working there in, in how our hearts and our minds are interconnected so again teachings here at Riverbend is one way to start but also there's many other books and podcasts on this subject that I could be recommending to you as well again we are encouraging everyone to read through the scripture this with this year with us um, using the read scripture app as a guide it's been going fantastic I'm absolutely loving it I encourage you to do the same read through the Bible this year with us because as we learn we grow in our discipleship the second thing is practice this is a simple idea as well um, I have uh, some friends some folks that are new here at the church who are training for an Ironman and you don't just wake up one morning and do an Ironman you spend six months nine months a year getting into shape preparing your body for that specific event and Dallas Willard who's this sort of um, leader and thinker and practitioner on um, the uh, spiritual formation and, the, and and the presence of God he says that becoming mature in our discipleship to Jesus is not about trying really hard, it's about training really hard. So again, it's just about creating those conditions in your life to experience the Lord and to practice his presence. And then uh, third is life in community. This is another way that we create the conditions in our life for the Holy Spirit to do a deep work of change. We need to not lead completely individualistic lives. We need to be embedded and integrated into a community, which I'm really excited about. By the way, we have a basics class coming up uh, at 1.30, uh, and I'll go to 3.30, where you can learn all about what community means to us and how we intend to live it out together. Um, but these are just a couple of different ways that you can prioritize the presence of God in your life and create those conditions. So, are you guys with me? I know I just got you, just gave you a lot, but I just I hope that you can hear this and that you can not just try and grit it out and try harder next week, but to actually allow the Holy Spirit to travel deep into the recesses of your soul and actually change you and grow you from the inside out. So let's uh, let's stand together and let's pray. Before we do, I just want to share a quick story with you. 
I remember um, it was my first year of Bible college. I was saved at 17, um, even though I've been in the church my whole life, and I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And so I just wound up at this little gap year Bible college on Maui. I was there. It was fantastic. And as I was there, um, I, we were so poor, and I had no internet at my house or no TV. There's nothing really to do besides like just enjoy the island. And so I had classes, had a few like side hustles and a few little jobs that I was doing. And then every evening, I just made the decision to go out. I lived about two two blocks away from from the Pacific Ocean. So we just go. Sometimes I was by myself, other times I was with my roommates, and I would just sit there, watch the sun go down, watch the stars come out, and just spend time in the presence of God. And I have to tell you that in all of my life and study, I have never grown more than that time that I spent in the presence of God on the beach of Mount Maui. It doesn't have anything to do with the beach, it had everything to do with the presence of God with me, and me just determining that this is going to be my everyday practice. Since then, I've gone to Bible college, I'm now in seminary, I'm working on my master's program. I've had a lot of different life lessons. I'm an avid reader and all of that stuff, but I met God and grew in my relationship with God on that beach on Maui. And so now, this is a part of my life now. Every, every day, for me, it's before the family gets up. It's, it's early in the morning. That's when I spend my time alone with the Lord. That's how I create the conditions in my life to meet with God and to be reshaped from the inside out. I just want to encourage you, your your practice doesn't have to look exactly like my practice, but nothing will deeply change in you until you reorder your life in a way that God can meet with you. Find time to put the phone away, to limit distraction, to just spend time with our Lord. And I just want to encourage if you hear anything from me today, I pray that that will be what you hear. And slowly but surely, moment by moment, you will become the kind of person who is loving, who is patient, who is joyful, and all of the things from the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for our time together today. I thank you for my sisters and brothers in the room. We long to become like you. We ache for change, and we know that what our world desperately needs is people who bring peace, people who genuinely know how to love, who can be patient, who can look at someone in the face that they they staunchly disagree with, with real compassion and empathy in their eyes. That's what our world needs right now. And we know that that's what you can bring and what you do bring. And so, God, we ask that you would shape us and that you would change us by your spirit. We want to become like you. So, you guys, as we sing, I just want to invite you to keep that that prayer front of mind. Come, Holy Spirit. We're going to sing. Danny's going to lead us in a new song you haven't sung before, probably. This is a moment of response and of prayer. So would you just bring your heart to the Lord as we sing together? And then we're going to take communion here. Jesus, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.